0: podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Harris. Hi everybody, Pastor Josh here sharing with you again and I wanted to share a verse that's really a verse that kind of become a theme verse for me and one I share with our church family here in Singapore quite often. It comes from John ten ten, and says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Our desire is to see you enjoy life and life to the full. Now that doesn't mean life to the easy. It doesn't always mean life to the convenient. It does mean an, a, an overflowing, as you see that picture in the watermark behind you, it's an overflowing cup, an abundant, more than enough kind of life where you're experiencing peace, purpose, the presence of God, the, the life God intended you to live. That's what you get to live. And that of course brings us to the idea of tests. Uh, maybe tests are not the thing you think of immediately when you think of life to the full. I certainly don't. I didn't enjoy, uh, these were called scantrons in my day where you fill out the little bubbles and you take your test. Uh, it was stressful. It didn't feel like life to the full. It felt like life to the miserable. Uh, and yet tests are a critical part of our maturity and growing. And why do we take tests as students? So that we know if we're ready for promotion to the next level. God uses tests to help us be prepared to be promoted to the new thing he wants us to do. So last week we talked about spiritual testing and we talked about how Caleb passed a test to enter the promised land, why? Because he had a different spirit and that spirit caused him to follow God wholeheartedly. God's desire is we be a people that follow him with our whole hearts. Now what we also explained is we can't do that in our own strength, we can't do that in our own ability. Uh, a different spirit only comes from God. And in fact, that's why Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He took the test on our behalf. He passed it, and then he turned in the test with our name on it so that if we believe in him, if we receive that, we get the promotion, we get the new life, we get this different spirit so that we can live differently. And that's what Peter explained to the very people who had rejected Jesus on earth, who had tortured him, who were participants in his death. He says to them, repent, turn back, change your mind. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Believing in Jesus cleanses you from your mistakes, cleanses you from your guilt and shame, and welcomes you into a new life. In that new life, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That spiritual victory, that spiritual promotion is not what we did, but what Jesus did for us, empowers us to live differently, to be forgiven and now be empowered by His Spirit Uh, to represent him on the earth. Now, how do we do that? That's where the bigger tests come in sometimes. The spiritual test is a test Jesus took for us, and we receive it by faith, and now he gives us his spirit, but we live out that new life in relationships. And if you're like me, you've encountered difficulties in relationships. I actually don't know anyone who hasn't encountered difficult relationships. And often, the pain of relationships is at its worst, when it's with people we're closest to. In fact, the, the psalmist, the, the writer of songs, David, makes this comment. If, any, if, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. In other words, man, if some random person, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. That happened to me before I, I opened the door for someone, and they just chided me. How dare you do that? Don't, do you think just because I'm a woman I can't open a door? And, and I didn't think that. I thought my mom raised me to open doors for women. That's what she told me to do. She's a woman. She told me to do that. I didn't mean any disrespect, and yet I was being attacked and being insulted. It's someone I don't really know. It's not that big deal. If it was a foe rising against me, I could hide. In other words, you know, there are people that are not for you in life. There are people that you're not directly connected to in life, and and it hurts when someone's hurtful to you, but I could get over that. Uh, This is the part that really crushed David. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. What he's saying is, man, it's one thing to get attacked by people who don't know me, but this is my friend. This is the guy I went to church with. This is the guy I went to school with. This is my friend who was on the same team as me, and now I'm being attacked by this guy. And the pain of that really cuts deep. And one question might be, why does God allow that? Why does God allow us to be hurt by people close to us? Why does he allow us to go through relational dysfunctions? Why does he allow our mistakes to really uh, break down relationships? And what is his intention through that journey? Well, I wanna kind of walk through and, and really not be able to, I started to say examine the life of, but honestly, we can't go through the whole life or the whole story of this amazing uh, person whose recorded life is recorded in the Bible. Uh, but we wanna give an overview of this guy, Joseph, and how God used relational challenges in his life to do not only great work in Joseph's life, but really for whole nations of people. Uh, so we start here, Israel was his dad's name, or Jacob. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Time out warning, right? If you're a father, you're a mother, we want to share full love with each of our children. The reason I don't have favorites is because they're all my favorite, right? They're all 100%, or Uh, In Iron Iron Man's case, we love them 3,000, right? We love them with everything we've got. Uh, That's what our parenting should look like. When we show favoritism, it actually sets up both the person who is favored and the ones who aren't favored for real relational problems. And so we don't want to do that as parents. Uh, But that's the reality of what Joseph faced, and sometimes that's tough. He has 10 uh, brothers, and none of them particularly care for him uh, because they're looking at him as this favored younger brother, now, uh, why was he favored? Because he had been born to Israel in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. So Joseph's wearing this fancy clothes. Imagine that, all the brothers get like plain shoes uh, at the discount store. And then all of a sudden, uh, dad buys the most expensive Air Jordans for the younger son. And you go, wait, what's just happening? And the temptation of jealousy, the temptation of bitterness starts to build. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So meanwhile, Joseph has a dream. And when he told his dreams to his brothers, they hated him all the more. What was the dream? Now imagine this. You're already the favorite one. You go, hey, guys, I had an interesting dream last night. I was out in the field, and your sheaves, your, your wheat, bowed down to me. And the sun and the moon bowed down to me, and the stars too. Uh, and the implication was all these people are going to bow down to me. My brothers, my my mom, my, my father are all going to bow down to me. Uh, that didn't make them feel very good about this boy. Uh, What you're looking at is an actual wood uh, etching from the 1800s of this story. And I found it interesting because I'm imagining this guy telling this story and the brother's reaction when in the story all they are is a, a bundle of wheat. And they're already feeling like they don't measure up. They already feel unloved. And now this is kind of doubling down on that. And so what happens? Well, he goes out to meet them in the field one day, and this is exactly what happens. They say, oh, here comes that dreamer. Now these are his brothers. They say to each other, come now, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Imagine what started as simple favoritism has already turned into murderous threats. Now, one of the brothers being kind at the end of this conversation says this, hey, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to these Ishmaelites we see and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. What a corrupt way to see the world. When you start filling your heart with bitterness, with envy, with jealousy, Judah is actually understanding himself to be compassionate by selling his own brother into slavery. They've so moved from what the responsibilities of healthy family are. We should love our brother, we should protect our brother, we should give peace and support to our brother. Instead, because of this envy, because of this jealousy, now he's saying, hey, let's be nice and sell him into slavery. So another wood etching for you from the 1800s. They're selling their little brother now into slavery. Now, once he gets to be a slave, Joseph has some choices. Joseph could look at his life and go, you know what? I give up. What a miserable life I've had. It's so unfair. Everything that's happened to me is unfair. I just want to kind of pout and and blame everyone else for the state that my life is in. And he'd have every right to blame other people. He didn't do this to himself. They chose to do that. But Joseph's response in the midst of injustice, even really abuse relationally, shows us a picture of how our proper response can actually help catapult us into God's calling, into God's destiny for our life, if we keep our heart right before him. So Joseph is now a slave, and he's a well-built man and handsome. Uh, I can relate. Just kidding. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him and said to him, come to bed with me, but he refused. Now, here's one of these moments. Is he going to give in? Is he going to give up and just quit? Now is he going to give in? He could look at this situation and say, hey, my life's been totally unfair. I should get some pleasure out of life. I should be able to take advantage of some things. You know, sometimes the Internet's whispering at you. You've had a hard day. Look at these things you know you shouldn't look at. Sometimes... Uh, you know, the temptation to abuse certain substances or other things because you go, look, my life's been so hard, I've kind of earned this behavior. Uh, One of the saddest things I've heard in reality is leaders who have fallen into sexual misconduct or other types of misconduct and say it's the pressure of the work or the stress of the work somehow justifies the inappropriate behavior. And here, Joseph who if anybody could say, well, I'm owed something, he could say he's owed something, he recognizes this would be wrong. And how he recognizes it is powerful to me. It says, my master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He recognized the issue here is not even about himself and the wife of his master or his master. It's about God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Imagine this is just constantly temptation, temptation, temptation. So what is his response? He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He recognized this temptation is there. Therefore, I need to pull away even further so that I don't fall to this temptation. This is the wisdom of Joseph, keeping his integrity in the midst of a difficult situation. Now, one day he went in uh, to the house Uh, And to attend to his duties, and none of the other household servants were there, so she grabs him, come to bed with me. He flees, he runs away, he refuses to do it. Now, what happens to him? She calls her servants, look, she grabs his, his coat that she had taken. This guy came in to make sport of us, he came in to sleep with me, but I screamed, so he ran away, and here's his cloak. So, of course, they believe him. The master takes Joseph, throws him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So now, Joseph was unfairly sold in slavery by his brothers, he's now been unfairly accused of a crime he did not commit and ends up in jail. How does he respond to this doubling of the injustice, doubling of the abuse? But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. I don't know, sometimes that's hard for me to read. Wow, God is with me and yet all these inappropriate things or unfair things or things that don't seem right are happening to me. Yet God showed kindness and that he granted favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. So now it's funny, Joseph keeps getting put in charge of things. He was in charge of all his master's house. Now he's in charge of all the prison. But it's almost like you're getting more responsibility while getting uh, demotions. You went from favored son to slave to now prisoner. And yet the responsibilities are going the other way, going from favorite son who just kind of walks around and hangs out with dad to responsible for a household to responsible for an entire prison. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I find that beautiful. In the midst of the most difficult and seemingly unfair situation, God's with him and giving him success. Can you imagine you go, Joseph, are you having a successful life? Yes, the Lord has given me great success. What are you? I'm in charge of the whole prison. Oh, you run a prison. That's interesting. No, no, I'm a prisoner that runs a prison. And yet that's successful. Why? Because he's doing it with integrity. He's doing it with excellence. He's doing it as empowered by God's spirit. So one day, two of the guys come to him. They're sharing dreams. They're freaking out. Hey, we have these crazy dreams. Another woodcut image. I don't know where I come across all these images of woodcut images, but here's another one from 1867 as well. And, and Joseph's trying to explain their dream. I don't know if that's really what Joseph looked like or, or whether the cupbearer uh, looked like that as well. But he's explaining these dreams to these guys. And so one of the guys is a cupbearer, and he gets a really encouraging answer. He goes, hey, three days from now, you're gonna be back serving the king. Don't worry about anything, or, or Pharaoh. You'll be back serving Pharaoh. Don't worry about it. It's gonna happen. So the, the cupbearer goes, okay, great. And I'll remember, once I go back there, I'll tell Pharaoh about your situation. I'll tell you what's going on, and, and we'll fix this. And then this verse. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So imagine now, Joseph's been in this situation, he's been unfairly treated, he's ended up a prisoner, he's now supernaturally imparted faith and encouragement to this person, interpreting his dreams, and the guy forgets about him. Now it goes when two full years had passed. So imagine that, for two years he's been waiting, I wonder if that guy told Pharaoh about my situation. I wonder if that guy told Pharaoh about my situation. Two full years pass. Finally, Pharaoh has this terrible dream where these very skinny cows eat these very full cows, and he doesn't understand the dream, and it terrifies him. So he explains the dream to his court, and the cupbearer goes, Oh, I totally forgot. There's this guy who can interpret dreams. A young Hebrew was there with us in prison, he's talking about, and a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And the things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. So now Pharaoh's like, okay, cool, this, this Joseph guy. So this is the turnaround moment. But I want you to remember, as we're coming into this turnaround moment, it's been years of waiting. It's been years of injustice. And yet Joseph has continued to be full of integrity, Im- implicitly full of faith, not giving up, as he carries out his duties day in, day out. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, no one can interpret it, but I've heard... It said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, that's an interesting thought, right? Now, Joseph's moment. If I'm Joseph, you're absolutely right. You get me out of prison. You give me a house. You give me some money for all the times I've been working so hard and getting nothing back for it. I'll interpret your dream for you. It's not what Joseph said at all. Here's what Joseph said. He leverages the opportunity to honor God. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. What? What? The whole reason you're here is because you can do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph leverages the moment to honor his Lord and Savior. He's looking to God, he's trusting in God. He understands it's ultimately God who gives wisdom, not himself. And so he points Pharaoh and his entire court towards Yahweh God, the living God. So Pharaoh asks him, Can we find, now, after all this, he interprets the dream, he's right about the dream. Pharaoh understands, yes, you're definitely right. So he goes, hey, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Why would God let you go through so many challenges? Why would God let you go through so many refinings? Why would God let you uh, experience people rejecting you, betraying you, hurting you, accusing you unfairly? so that he can forge his spirit in you, that it refined in such power that when you show up in wisdom and grace and mercy and excellence, they go, there's no one like this guy who has the spirit of God in him. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. I love that. God made all this known to him. So why is Joseph so discerning and wise? Because God revealed it to him, not because he's actually so discerning and wise. Remember Solomon, the wisest man? Why is he so wise? Because he went, I'm not wise. God, help me. And God poured out wisdom to him. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. So this guy who's a prisoner is now second in charge of the entire and largest kingdom of its time. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, Joseph can do whatever he wants. He's in charge. All right, Josh, great. So what? You're, what are you trying to tell me? What does this have to do with my life? Joseph went through this, all these problems, then he came out on the other side better. Yay! What are you trying to hint at? Well, remember those 10 brothers? They come back one day and they need help. And now another temptation can sink in. Does it, do I get revenge? Or do I honor God with this opportunity? And I want to encourage you God may put you in a position where you can show mercy to someone who didn't show you mercy. God may put you in a position to show grace to someone who didn't show you grace. I want to encourage you, plead with you to do so. And here's why. It models well the much better version of Joseph that shows up about 1,500 years later. A person who walked on the earth as fully God yet was rejected, yet was abused, yet was discounted. And Paul, in writing, who's now a follower of Jesus later after Jesus died and rose from the dead and showed he was God, Paul encounters him. Paul was a very person who used to murder people and imprison people who would follow Jesus. Now all of a sudden he finds out Jesus is actually God. And as he goes through his journey, he's now talking to another group of people. And I think he potentially is thinking about the story of Joseph, and he's certainly thinking about the journey of Jesus when he pens these words. Therefore if, any, uh, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. In other words, if you've ever been comforted by the fact that Jesus forgave you, if you ever recognize you've done things that are wrong that you've been forgiven for, if you ever recognize that you now have peace you didn't used to have, You now have a sense of purpose you didn't used to have. You now have a sense of God's presence that you used to not enjoy. If any comfort from his love, if any of common sharing in his spirit, if any good things happen to you, tenderness, compassion, any of it, here's our response. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, the same love being one in spirit and one mind. Love each other. Show compassion to one another. Let's not just think about ourselves. And he goes on to be explicit about that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. We don't talk that way a lot. We don't talk that way a lot where we say value others above yourself. We think a lot about self-care, a lot about self-affirmation. Can I encourage you, start speaking other affirmation and others care as well. It doesn't mean not care about yourself. It means value others. Not looking to your own interests. But... Each of you, not some of you, not the pastors, not the ones who are super spiritual, each one of us look to the interest of others as well. You want a marriage to be really healthy and happy? Have a husband that's looking after the interest of the wife while the wife's looking after the interest of the husband. You start looking after your own interest, things might go sideways on you. But you start really caring about one another? Um, Mike Lee's always behind the camera back there, we're staffed together. When we start caring about each other's needs and our, each other's workloads and each other's health and, and fullness and excellence at workplace and we share the burden with one another and I care about his interests, he cares about mine, it goes a lot better. If I'm only after what can I get out of Mike rather than how can I empower Mike, the relationship doesn't go well and honestly the work doesn't go well. We don't look at our own interests only, we also look at the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, Christ Jesus has a brilliant mind. There's a lot of mindset happening. So specifically, what kind of mindset are you talking about? Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. We're not leveraging everything for our own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself enough to obey even if it cost him something. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. You want to go to the highest place? Sometimes you got to go to the lowest place. Joseph went from favored son to slave to prisoner in order to get to the highest place in Egypt. Jesus went from being God, to being a man, to being a sacrifice lamb of God, to going into the ground to death in order that he might be risen again to become king of kings and lord of lords above all. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's the interesting part. Why did Jesus do all that? Did he go so low just so he could go so high? It's actually not what it says. It says Jesus did that to the glory of God the Father. When we've encountered God's love, it compels us to live differently, to not live for ourselves, but to live for the God who came and lived a perfect life we couldn't live, who died a death we deserve to die, who rose from the dead three days later, who ascended into heaven, became one with the Father, and now celebrates and gives us access to God's spirit, to knowing our Father in heaven as adopted sons, That's the beauty of the relationship God's offering us through Jesus. We do it all for his glory when we've encountered that kind of love. It doesn't have to be about ourselves anymore. You know why that's so beautiful? We always live more satisfied by giving than receiving. We always live more satisfied by giving than receiving. When we're serving someone else, it's when the fullness of our purpose arrives. It's more blessed to give than to receive. If we do it for the glory of God the Father, we can endure any challenge and come out on the other side, refined like gold, shining for his glory. So relational tests, let me summarize what I said by saying this. Relational tests present sobering questions. Will I give up? It's a temptation to go, it's not fair. Life is too hard. I give up. Will I give in? Life is not fair. I'm just going to party. Life is not fair. I'm going to get what's mine. I'm going to focus on myself. Will I get revenge? Life is not fair. I'm going to take it out on the people or the types of people that have hurt me in the past. That'll cause war. That'll cause violence. That'll cause death. But if we'll pass the test, we won't get bitter. We won't give up. We won't give in. We won't say yes to revenge. It actually enables us to bless others. All those things Joseph learned by learning how to steward a household, by learning how to steward a prison, he then used those to steward an entire kingdom. God was training him for his job. He didn't even know it. Uh, You know, I'm having Karate Kid flashbacks, wax on, wax off, and you don't even know what you're doing. You're preparing yourselves for your purpose. He equips us uh, to accomplish his purpose. And, you know, originally when I wrote this, I think I originally wrote accomplish our purpose, but really it's his purpose. Sometimes we don't know our purpose. I still think my purpose is point guard to the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. Probably not going to happen. God's purposes are being accomplished as I say yes to him and submit to him. It empowers us to encounter his spirit. Every time we go through a challenge, God reveals himself and empowers us by his spirit through that journey. And the greatest news of all, I shared this last week, I'm going to share it again. Jesus takes the test for us. Jesus goes before us. Jesus did everything he's asking us to do by his spirit. He modeled preferring others and serving others. We see him washing his disciples' feet, knowing they're about to betray, one of them's about to betray him. And all of them are about to abandon him. He serves even those who are not going to continue to serve him. He loves those who don't love him back. He forgives those who are holding bitterness towards him when he didn't even do anything wrong. That's the God we serve. He humbled himself. Humility isn't thinking lowly of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself. Humility is going, I prefer other people. I'm not focused on what I get out of a situation. I'm focused on how I can serve and love others. Finally, uh, God exalted him. You know where you want to be? You want to be exactly where God put you. When we allow God to be Lord, when we allow God to be the one to lift us up, when we don't try to push ourselves forward but we allow God, God will give grace to the humble. He'll lift up the humble and put them exactly where they need to be so they can experience the fullness of the life God intends for them. As I close, I just want to celebrate communion together and celebrate the reality that Jesus did this for us. Um, His body was broken on our behalf. His blood was shed so we could be forgiven our sin. He modeled perfectly going through relational dysfunction where he was the one treated wrong. He was the one abused, yet he loved in return. So in your own time, I encourage you to take uh, the bread, take the cup, remember Jesus' sacrifice for you, celebrate him as our Lord and Savior, and have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.